kick off with the biggest character deal only at Pep. Baby's tees and vests only $39.99. Kids just $44.99. Buy any two and score a saving of 10. More deals, more fun in store. Life's better with Pep. Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on and ready to go. Vuga online. This week seems to be going by very quickly. Um, my guests and I were just laughing about, yeah, you know, one one second, it's one month, then it'll be June, and then it'll be December, and then sure, we'll be in the next year. But I do hope that you are making sure that each day has the gorgeous, juicy bits in it, and that you're noticing and you're being grateful. And mm. life isn't just flying past you without you even knowing. Now, as you know, Healthcare Hour with me, is all about healthcare professionals. It's all about knowing that healthcare professionals are people. And we often feel like, oh, we can't talk to them, we can't whatever. We've just got to be told what to do. And of course, we are all now moving away from it. We're realizing that people, patients have got power. They need to take responsibility for their own care. But it's also about us improving the relationship between the healthcare professional and the patient. and as also gaining knowledge gaining information and so this show is also very much about us talking about things we wouldn't normally talk about but at a level that we can all understand so often you will hear me no what go back let's find out exactly what that is so my guest today who is no stranger to you she's been on our show before dr brenda kubeka She's come back to talk to us today and so we're very glad and grateful to have you here. Hello Brenda. Hi Colin and thank you for having me. All right. So before we dive in to us reminding you about who Dr. Brenda is, we're also going to introduce her topic, but before we do that, we're going to go and hear from our sponsor. Remember that you can tune into Vuka Online Radio, your inspiration radio station. um you can listen to us in the car you can listen to us in the bath we really don't mind as long as you are listening to us and of course we are a radio show that is different we are a radio station that's different we believe in inspiration we believe in solutions and we believe in action but let's go for that break SA's lowest cost bank account is here no monthly fees no debit orders and free money transfers now you can do even more from your phone for free like pay bills and buy airtime or data and it works on any phone register via the shoprite app or dial this number powered by shoprite you are listening to vuga online radio welcome back you are tuned to healthy hour with colin quist as i mentioned before the break we have got dr brenda kubeka who is um a returning guest she's come back to visit us so thank you very much for that thank you for inviting me let's tell you more about dr brenda kubeka what i was saying is is that brenda for me is a lady with a giant heart she likes to be able to make sure that people are living their best lives and that if she could help you she will 
She reaches out to people and she has, yes, as I said, a beautiful heart. But more than that, for me, she personifies and, you know, and you think like, Colleen, what? Okay. So often in our career, we think, oh, we could, we must be a doctor or we must be an accountant or we must be whatever. But Brenda's the and. She is a medical doctor, but also she has a thriving career in media. And you might even recognize her from your TV screens as she is often on SABC. Okay. And, and, also is interviewed on various news channels. Um, you may be the type of person because she is not only a student, she's also a teacher. So that and, yes. Now, Brenda is also very interested in social justice, um, patient safety, entrepreneurship, and the intersection between humanity and technology. And I'm sure we're going to dive into more that technology story today. But first, Brenda, how are you today? Um, I'm good, yes. I, this is my second week back from a long uh, leave of four weeks, um, which uh, was great and uh, reminded me that I need to plan to take some time off at least every three months and not wait to feel tired before taking a break. So yes. I feel great. Mm. Yes, spot on for us to be the Olympic athletes and to build the rest in, not to wait until we get to the end and then say, okay, when we get there, then we'll rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well done on building the breaks, and I'm sure that you're going to be doing that this year. I will. So, Brenda, what have you come to share with us today? <laughs> So um, today we'll be talking uh, technology, specifically uh, artificial intelligence. And as he had mentioned, that I have a special interest in the intersection uh, between society, health, and uh, technology. And I think this is the right time, actually, to um, start having conversations with uh, the profession and also with the public with regards to um, artificial intelligence and uh, the benefits and uh, the challenges that may also be presented by deploying some of these uh, tools in healthcare. Yeah, I think when we talk about AI, that for a lot of people, it's like, what is that? Oh, don't know, like, ooh, okay. And a lot of people have, no, we shouldn't have AI. Let's just get rid of it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying, okay, how do we embrace AI? How do we use AI for the best? But also, as you said, take into account the challenges. So let's start in the beginning for our listeners. What is AI? Okay, just simply put, so um, AI is um, equivalent, it's artificial intelligence, which is equivalent to the intelligence of a human being. And this being based on, um, you know, computing large amounts of uh, information and uh, that being used for the computers to actually learn and be able to mimic uh, decisions that will be made by a human being. But it also has potential of making uh, decisions far beyond um, what a human mind is capable of. Okay. And I think that's where people get scared because they imagine like they're going to be replaced now Mm -hmm. by the machine that can think and outthink them. Uh, even doctors are also worried about being uh, replaced yes. by, um, you know, by machines. And I mean, there's conversations, there's papers that have been written about uh, 
and specialties in medicine where um, there is a belief that it would be actually easier uh, to replace uh, some of those um, you know, professionals with uh, artificial intelligence. Just to give an example, it's um, radiology, uh, you know, the x-rays and uh, the CT scans. One, because there is vast um, data that is um, available uh, in most countries um, that is stored electronically that can be used to teach machines to actually make decisions. And because um, there's that consideration that the uh, work may be sort of like routine. So if it's routine, it's uh, easier to automate. And then uh, the pathologists, the ones that um, actually conduct um, tests, like uh, you know blood sugar tests uh, in a lab, and uh, you know samples of uh, tissue to make a diagnosis of cancer or the absence uh, thereof. Uh, but um, there's other um, you know factors around automation that when those blanket statements are made, that tend to be uh, undermined and uh, forget that uh, people are human beings, they're not just biological agents, but there's also the social elements of people and uh, how also the environment impacts on people and stuff like that. So there's definitely value of having human beings, um, you know, playing an oversight role um, when it comes to artificial in intelligence and uh, augment what, um, you know, artificial intelligence uh, does and uh, also just to prevent uh, harm that uh, it may pose on people in society. So if I'm understanding you, artificial intelligence, you know, when we compare it to the human brain, we all know that we don't use all of our human brain. We don't use all of those connections. But when you put that into a machine, the machine can learn from all the patterns and can be foster. And of course, isn't going to be stopped by, oh, I don't use that section or, oh, I don't use this section. So it's able to more of all of it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as we also talk about machines, then they can learn. Yes. Um, yes. So um, there is definitely a benefit, you know, in that uh, computing ability and, um, you know, the ability to quickly connect, I'll just say connect the dots and synthesize information and then be able to um, suggest let's say a care plan for a patient and, and, and et cetera. But it's important that, um, you know, we keep uh, in mind that yes, there are benefits of um, that. And if you think of an average uh, doctor, there's an expectation that to keep up with all the developments that are happening in the healthcare space and advancements in uh, health technology um, and, doctors should be reading at least 21 general articles every day. So that is quite um, uh, impossible to do. I mean, um, because you have to see patients, you need to have social time, et cetera. And yeah. also just uh, being human of how much information can you consume, um, you know, in, in an hour, in a day, et cetera. So artificial intelligence actually does assist a lot you know, in identifying all those patterns and the different articles that are out there and then um, condensing that information and, um, you know, using that information or, you know, providing the summary of that information to the end user to assess and uh, make a decision whether they think uh, what has been suggested by the machine is the right thing to do. But there's yes. also uh, mundane, you know, um, activities that take place in healthcare that, uh, also could be, um, you know, automated. 
uh, the routine stuff, uh, like for example, let's say uh, checking off um, temperature in a room or in a ward or in a fridge, because um, you know the nurses are expected to um, check that um, the, the fridge that keeps medication has the right temperature. And um, from there, they have to, you know, whether they put it on a spreadsheet or write it on a book. I mean, that can be automated if uh, the thermometers that we use are able to communicate, you know, uh, communicate when uh, those temperature ranges are out of the ordinary and, uh, you know, automate SMSs, automate, um, you know, emails and uh, be able to uh, escalate when interventions are not done. And again, they can be set to produce uh, monthly reports um, that are also, um, you know, devoid of human error. So that's the value. And the time that the nurses actually spend, you know, checking the, you know, the, the fridges, the room temperature, jotting down, that is time that is saved that they can actually spend more, um, you know, at the bedside of patients. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, certainly temperature where, you know, where you log in temperature. I mean, like I worked in fertility in the olden days, um, and it's very much about when you are growing your embryos or incubating your embryos in a lab, they have to live at a certain temperature. And then when, you know, the incubator would take its own temperatures and as soon as it went out of range, it would send an alarm and an SMS to five different people. Mm -hmm. So, yes, so there are things. But as you said, yes, open the fridge, what temperature is it, check it, can all be automated. Yeah. Yeah. You've spoken about the challenges. So let's, let's, after the break, let's look at some of the challenges that we are facing because it's not just, oh, let's, um, let's just embrace all of it. But it's also about not, let's, let's not reject all of it too. But let's go for our break. No one decides to go into debt. It creeps up on you. Hey. Slowly. Ah! Debt follows debt. (laughs) Follows debt. Unless you do something about it. Face your debt problems before they cripple you. It's time to do something. Hey, everybody. This is Mahala Mutale. Catch me on Booga Online Radio on my show, The Cycle. This is a space where like-minded people come together to find solutions to the issues that our society is faced with. Please be sure to tune in every Monday from 6 p.m. until 7 p.m. Let's meet there. You're listening to Vuga Online Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Healthcare Hour with Colin Pist. My guest today is Dr. Brenda Kubeka, and Brenda has got a huge interest in healthcare and technology and safety and how we how we look at the intersection of all of those. And we've been talking about AI, artificial intelligence, and also understanding that it has got huge benefits in healthcare because it allows us to automate things. It also allows us to be able to put in something and get out a faster result and a more accurate result, especially if we're looking at diagnosis or we're also looking at a treatment protocol that we're wanting to plan. But you've said that they're challenges and, you know, you want to look in a global context and also in a South African context. Let's hear about those, Brenda. Okay. 
So, um, yes, there are benefits of, uh, you know, uh, deploying AI technologies in healthcare. And if we look at uh, the South African context, or let me say the context of uh, low to medium income countries, of which South Africa is one of them, is that uh, these solutions tend to be imported from, um, you know, the global north. So this means that, um, you know, these are solutions that have been trained on foreign data that doesn't look like, um, you know, uh, that doesn't have the same demographics as, um, as South Africa. So that um, does present a problem because it may perpetuate uh, inequalities um, within uh, the country. Take, for example, a tool that was um, tested on um, fair white um, people's skin for skin cancer. And uh, the same tool, if it's um, deployed without um, asking those questions as to where uh, was it uh, uh, developed, how was it tested, where's the data, and also what the algorithm uh, behind the solution, which uh, is not always um, available. You may find that it may under diagnose um, people of a darker skin color because it is uh, the data that was missing when uh, it was being uh, developed and when it was tested. So those are some of the challenges that uh, come with uh, artificial intelligence. So that's the data bias that um, is influenced by, it may not be intentional, but it's because of where the tool was actually um, uh, developed. And then um, secondly, it could be, you know, bias from people, you know, we walk around, they say if you have a brain, you have biases, you know, and uh, some of those biases, um, they get, um, they get into the AI solutions because we have um, developers, we have people that actually work on these and come up with these, um, you know, algorithms. So devices that they have may uh, also have an influence on, on, on what we call justice in healthcare because we're talking about fairness, uh, we're talking about um, preventing harm and the responsibility that we, um, as, a, as professionals, we have to prevent harm. Hence, it's so important for the health professionals also to be aware of um, these challenges and also be empowered to ask the right questions with regards to the tools that get presented to them um, at work or anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's um, yeah one of the challenges. Uh, and then uh, artificial intelligence, as much as there are benefits that it can increase uh, access to care, makes diagnosis uh, quicker, etc. But at the same time, it can have a negative effect on the same issues. I've already given one example on um, a bias, uh, whether it's data bias or you know um, people that are that are biased and um, you know carry their biases uh, through uh, in those um, algorithms. And then um, there's a another challenge of um, the absence of artificial intelligence policies. Um, this has been a global challenge, but you find that um, other regions like European uh, Union, the USA, have um, you know uh, drafted laws to control um, how artificial intelligence is utilized because they have um, you know acknowledged. Uh, the responsibility they have 
to ensure that uh, artificial intelligence does, does less harm or does not harm um, the society. So because of um, these gaps in policies and the gap that we have also um, in South Africa, remember that artificial intelligence is powered by large data of information. So you find that um, in the country, in South Africa, electronic health records are not standard um, across, even in the private sector, not all practitioners use um, electronic uh, medical records. Even those that utilize those um, uh, records, there is no interoperability. So it means uh, all these data sets are sitting in silos. And uh, those that are on paper files, um, basically unstructured. So it means there is limited data that can actually be utilized to, um, to inform um, artificial uh, intelligence. If that is the case, then we have uh, issues of missing data and uh, those that are not captured on those electronic medical records, their information is missing and that will also uh, bring biases into um, passes into um, you know machine learning and um, those solutions that are AI enabled. So yes. those are some of the uh, of the challenges that are presented by artificial intelligence. Yeah, so it's interesting there because you know you get presented with this new way of doing things. You know whether it's a gadget or not a gadget, or wow, you know we put it in here and we get it out there, but you're not we're not knowing what happens in there. You know, what's used to do the calculations, what's used to, um, yeah, and exactly as you said, where if, for instance, it's come from a different area or it's come, you know, as you said, from the global north or it's, um, you know, where maybe it's biased towards men, to you know, from mm -hmm. a gender point of view mm -hmm. or, you know, where things aren't picked up in that, you know, you could look at something and you go, oh, this is oh, I mean, an example that's not even AI, but, you know, one size fits all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like one size does that, not fit yeah. all. No, one size does not fit all. I totally agree with you. You know, the gender bias, um, there's a study that um, actually identified gender bias on the tool uh, to diagnose um, heart attacks in men and women and uh, tend to under-diagnose, um, you know, the medical condition or even misdiagnose it. Um, yes. in women. And this is also because um, during a research, um, the data that um, is available and uh, men actually participate more in clinical research compared to females. So that also has an impact on, um, you know, the output of artificial intelligence because of the missing data on women and the fact that women present differently with a heart attack then the tool will um, compromise uh, the quality of decision-making and care provided to uh, women in that particular instance. Yes. And I think what, I mean, just using heart attack, for instance, where you look at so many people are have been programmed <laughs> in their own minds of saying, okay, well, do you have a pain going down your arm? Okay, you don't, you're not having a heart attack. But that is also something that is that can present in men, but not all men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the moment it's not in someone else, you go like, oh, okay, no, it's no heart attack. Meanwhile, you know, you're a woman and you weren't going to present with those symptoms in the first place. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, okay. no, it's quite important to be aware of uh, those shortcomings uh, and not to underestimate the value of uh, human intervention and oversight over the yes. uh, tools and the responsibility of ensuring that there are monitoring mechanisms and uh, continuous improvement and that loop is available to actually um, improve uh, the AI tools that yes. are being uh, used. So what I'm hearing you say, um, Dr. Brenders, is that the healthcare professional should not just abdicate their responsibility of thinking, of being a partner in the, in the story. That is um, so true. And um, at the end of the day, it's the practitioner that has a relationship and a contract actually with uh, their patients. So that cannot be taken for granted that the AI tool uh, told me to you know, do X or recommend Y. Um, still, the responsibility sits with the practitioner. That's why um, it's important at the end of the day to have that intervention and uh, making sure that um, you know, uh, the information is um, credible and also take into account you know, the circumstances of, um, of, of patients. I'll just give an example of uh, when we talk about missing data and why it's important to have that uh, human intervention. They've actually recalled a tool that they were using in the US and apparently only one state is continuing to utilize it, a tool that assists in matching uh, patients that need kidney transplant to um, to the donor organs. And um, obviously the algorithm is based on uh, machine learning and uh, the data that is available and that data informs uh, the recommendations that the tool will make. And take that tool and bring it to um, South Africa where you find that um, not all provinces have a center where um, the you know, uh, organ transplants actually can take place. You look at a province like um, Bumalanga, a province like, um, you know, the Eastern Cape. So um, if you just take, um, you know, data as is, you actually, and, and, and what comes out of the AI tool basically means that, um, you know, uh, disregard these two provinces because people from that province don't actually need uh, organ transplant. But their data is missing because maybe it's been difficult to access the, to access the care. And uh, maybe those who were able to access the care, especially in the public sector, they were sent uh, to other provinces to actually access um, that care. So it's not that uh, the care is not required, but the data is missing because of um, you know, how the health system is designed and how it's able to provide certain services Thus, uh, the utilization data, uh, one, either becomes available or there is, um, you know, uh, missing data for certain groups of um, people or societies. Yeah, so it's quite um, scary in one way, but it's also about us just being, taking ownership of it, of being accountable and not abdicating, and also mm. understanding that our legal colleagues are not going to subpoena the AI. They're yeah. going to subpoena you, the person. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. So that's why it's it's important. I mean, so many, uh, you know, startups uh, look at AI tools and uh, AI tools that 
can be implemented in healthcare, but you find that sometimes there's no involvement of health professionals in the you know life cycle of mm. uh, product development. So it's quite important. That's a message that I would send out there that they get um, you know um, the right people or potential end users involved in the development of uh, these tools. One, uh, they understand the context better, so they know what will probably work and what won't uh, work. And then two, for this tool to be used, they also need to be trusted. So if there is an involvement and uh, input from the end users, um, you know, whatever concerns they have can be addressed um, before the deployment, thus increasing uh, trust in those, um, you know, uh, tools that are available out there. Mm -hmm. Yes, and then just as, you know, just before we go for our break, it's also understanding that people in different parts of the world also need to step up and be part of this research, to be part of what what goes into making something um, mm. so that it's so that we remove some of the biases, assuming biases and biases, yes, whatever, the plural of bias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that it, it's quite important. And uh, it also highlights the need to get uh, what we call social scientists involved, mm. um, you know, in these um, discussions and also mm. uh, to support uh, the people that are developing these tools because they understand the society and they will also ask questions related to possible unintended consequences uh, that may arise from uh, deploying uh, such tools. Yes. Okay, on that point, let's pop off for our break. Let's pop up to hear from our people who support our show, and we'll be back. How do you know the life or personal coach you're about to work with is who they say they are? How do you know if they can do the job? At the Africa Board for Coaching, Consulting, and Coaching Psychology, we can tell you. So, before you share your secrets and spend your money, check with us first. Visit www.abccp.com or call us on 012-751-7608. The ABCCP, the professional... Waking up all day to Vuga Online. Welcome back. You're listening to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. My guest today is Dr. Brenda Kubeka. And we've been talking about AI and healthcare, how it's something that we need to embrace. It's something that can change healthcare. It can certainly make a difference. But we need to be accountable and responsible and not just give up all accountability for it. We need to also be understand that there are um, challenges. And some of those challenges come in into how the data has been collected. Sometimes it's collected um, without understanding that there's a bias or that there's an omission in it. Um, and we've spoken about, for instance, if you collect data on a certain color skin, then does it work? Does the the algorithm work on skin that's not that color? Does it work if you have got an algorithm that doesn't have um, gender in, in that it misrepresents or underrepresents a gender? So, yes, interesting. Um, you've also said as well that, that policies are not keeping up with AI. Because, of course, policies take a long time <laughs> to write and to fight over and to lots of committee meetings and, no, we're not changing uh, 4.2. Mm, yeah. No, technology is moving faster 
um, than policy. And, um, you know, the governments are realizing also the harm of not having uh, those policies in place. If you think of misinformation that uh, is generated by AI tools, if you think of, uh, you know, the deep fakes where, um, you know, they could utilize the president and um, actually the president saying something contrary to what um, he believes in and what he stands for and uh, against what, um, you know, his office actually demands of him. So if, um, we're in an environment where people are, I don't want to say gullible, but, um, you know, they're not tech savvy and uh, maybe also they don't question some of the information uh, they get and they don't have access to the internet or even have the ability to check for uh, credibility of information, et cetera. That can uh, actually present a harm uh, in a society. So it's a question of these tools being um, designed to actually do that, or what we call black box, sometimes where um, you know, artificial intelligence gets to a point where it generates um, you know, information, uh, an output that cannot be explained how it uh, got to that. So those are some of um, the challenges. And uh, when we look at the ethics of uh, deploying AI tools, that if you cannot explain how it came to the final uh, uh, decision or output, it should not be used. So what you call explainability is quite uh, important um, and uh, it fosters trust and uh, also transparency um, in how these uh, decisions are actually made uh, by AI tools. Yes. And so what do you advise you know, I think what we're asking people is to not just be little birds with mouths open and to just swallow whatever they've given. But we're also not asking them to just shut their mouths and not accept anything that's out there. We're asking them to be curious and to question. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, it is quite important um, because, I mean, AI is here. There's definitely benefits. And um, people need to um, actually empower themselves and ask the questions. And in South Africa, what we need to be pushing for is um, for policy to guide and also to protect um, uh, the society. So we definitely need that. So mm -hmm. regarding um, responsibility and navigating some of the AI tools, I mean, you look at uh, the popularity of uh, chat uh, GPT and definitely there's benefits that come out of that and you can ask it any questions it will give you a response you know yeah. but what is important is um, if you look at some of the references um, that you should provide it should be references that from papers that don't even exist so it means that it can also create its own um, output or information so it's also, again, keeping that in mind that not everything that comes out of um, some of these AI tools is uh, credible, reliable, and uh, they do have the terms and conditions that uh, they do not guarantee the credibility of the information yes. that comes out of those tools. And then as a teacher, it's also presenting challenges when it comes to uh, assessment of uh, students. 
and uh, how you know the young students also they go online and uh, put the question on ChatGPT, and forty of them will come back with a, a response that is like ninety percent similar to both of them. But that comes that also has examples of um, you know like health fees and stuff that doesn't really take place in South Africa. But it's, uh, you know, U.S. Uh, concepts and people don't even apply themselves. They copy and paste as is and, um, and, and, and it, it does become a problem because yes. people still have to apply themselves and uh, question the information that um, comes out of these tools. Yeah. And I suppose also what you get out of chat GPT also depends on what you put in. But I mean, certainly on some subjects, like if you put in emotional intelligence, um, you know, tell me about emotional intelligence for healthcare professionals. It turns out a whole bunch without you putting in anything, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's clearly that other people have put in it. And that's where what, you know, where was, what space was the other person in when they fed the emotional intelligence information to chat GPT? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, because it computes uh, the large amounts of data that is available out there. So uh, some of yeah. it is, yeah, it's not fact checked. So um, there's yes. definitely um, an element of or a need for one to uh, check uh, the yeah. credibility of that information. Mm-hmm. The example that you gave, like um, you know, emotional intelligence. There's so much uh, information out there yes. about emotional intelligence. But if you were to ask about um, what um, yourself. Write an essay on Brenda. But I mean, there's obviously a lot of information out there. We should do that. We should have a chat GPT. Write an essay on Dr. Brenda Kubeka and see what what it comes up with. (laughs) And then after that, ask the chat GPT why it doesn't have um, enough um, information that's based on the African context. You can actually have a conversation. It's quite interesting. And yes. it will tell you that um, you can't hold it against uh, yeah. <laughs> anything. And um, yeah, and it, it yeah. just uses information that's available on the web. But again, it's a tool that is not developed in Africa. So it will generate uh, most of the yes. information coming from uh, the global north. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think also what's what is fascinating, I mean, I've sat with it going, oh, okay, my daughter said to me, no, come on now, mom. Yeah, you are. Try something, you know. And I think there also you've got to, you know, it's fascinated me by how fast it is, by how fast it writes it. You couldn't write it that fast yourself. And then also like, oh, no, this is too formal. Change it into casual or change it into academic or change it into, and then jump. It changes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you see the the vastness of what it is able to do, but then you can't just sit there like a little open-mouthed bird just swallowing whatever it it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, it's also keeping in mind uh, issues around uh, privacy that uh, some of the activities, activities on ChatGPT is available out there. People know that, um, you know, um, Brenda Gubega used ChatGPT to check for this and check for that, and uh, other people have uh, taken uh, web-related um, information or documents and put on ChatGPT for whatever reason, maybe to correct yeah. um, or uh, check grammar 
But remember that you're also putting your organization at risk by having that information out there, you know, in an open uh, platform. So there are risks that uh, people need to keep in mind. If you use ChatGPT as uh, Dr. Google, um, again, there's that risk that that information may be out there, um, you know, people knowing that uh, you were asking questions about, um, you know, whatever medical conditions, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, so interesting. I hadn't thought about, you know, if you saying, here's my work document, highly secret work document, but you're asking ChatGPT to fix it or to change it or to whatever, it's now out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's being gobbled up and sent to other people in terms of data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we have to keep that in mind, the risk of um, privacy mm-hmm. in mind. Okay, so I think fascinating. Um, what I've liked about this conversation is about not saying, okay, no, it's evil. Let's just get it to go away. Let's put it in a box and, you know, it's it's here. It's not coming. It's here. It is amongst us. Um, and we're using it every day without even realizing it. But it's about saying where's our responsibility to just not swallow everything and to not just embrace everything without being curious as to what was the input. Yes. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, benefits of using uh, artificial intelligence uh, in healthcare, in healthcare uh, research and resource planning, you know, um, you know, predicting demand for services and, and, and planning for that. And we've seen also uh, during uh, COVID-19, the deployment of um, you know, artificial intelligence. And obviously uh, some of the challenges um, came with um, the speed of uh, those uh, solutions uh, being developed and the steps that were not uh, followed with regard to um, the impact analysis ethically and, um, and, and, and socially. So with those benefits um, in mind, we also need to keep, um, you know, be aware of uh, the challenges that are presented by uh, ChatGPT and uh, other AI solutions. But Mm -hmm. the most important um, gap that needs to be addressed in our country, it's a policy uh, gap um, to ensure that there are uh, standards, legal and ethical standards that apply um, to you know all these AI tools, and um, that there is uh, monitoring and also a level of accountability, because um, when uh, there's a policy policy that's lacking, um, accountability also becomes a challenge to actually yeah. allocate to a particular individual or particular organization. Mm-hmm. So we definitely need um, you know policy guidelines and. Uh, and then just you know before we close it's also then seeing that we can't write policy people who know about ai don't necessarily have to write the policy documents of 2.3.6.8 but they need to be able to contribute to the people who are writing the documents because the person writing the policy must know they must have input so they in Mm -hmm. itself is our own ai where what's the data coming in to be able to write the policy yes um, I'm also going to say or state that uh, there's a significant role uh, that uh, academics and experts in AI can play 
um, by just being available for um, interviews, uh, community conversations, and talk to people about AI using a non-threatening language so mm. that people understand what it is and understand the benefits and also understand you know, some of the challenges that uh, may come with uh, AI, then people would be able to contribute meaningfully to those uh, policies yeah. of lessons. And then not only healthcare professionals, it's also calling on the media of saying, you know what, don't have a sensationalist headline that scares people and it's just empty nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, we, there's the responsibility. Um, to get people to read it. AI yes. gobbles up everyone's job. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So they, we, must, we must be reporting uh, responsibly and uh, having um, have balanced conversations, not yes. biased conversations. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Kebeka, thank you so much for joining us again, for coming to bring the, um, the information, but also the lightheartedness and the smiles and the laughter. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, people will, um, you know, go out there, empower themselves, read and, uh, and, 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 yeah, and be able to contribute meaningfully. And also that understanding that, uh, you know, there are also some threats that are coming with uh, AI and benefits and let us empower ourselves, protect ourselves and uh, embrace uh, technology as well. Okay, so thank you very much to our guest, Dr. Brenda Kubeka, who's joined us today. For you, please remember that you are loved, you matter, and you're not alone. And we'll be seeing you next week. You've been tuned or listening to Healthcare R with colleagues. Have you ever been in the mood to watch some TV? Then that puts you in the mood for a new TV, a new subwoofer, and some new jammies. That puts you in the mood for sweeties, which gets you in the mood for some real food. And that makes a messy. Then that puts you in a mood to clean up that messy, which puts you in the mood to watch some TV. You ever felt like that? Well, then someone's in a macro mood. More music, more inspiration. Vuga online.